is the Better Life, Better Work show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm an intuitive life and business coach here to help you create better life and better work. I help super successful people, you know, the recovering overachievers, put the soul back in their lives, and I help soulful people create success. On this show, topics range from the mystic to the logistic, and our content will support your being and your doing while on your path to create better life and better work. More is not better. Better is better. Hey, welcome. This is episode number 77, the best of 2019. I'm Allison Crow, and this is the Better Life, Better Work show. Today, I am recording live on Facebook, and this will also be turned into the podcast because you know what? That's the way I love doing it. Just got off a coaching call with a client, and she said, you know, one of my mentors told me that I should only sell this because this is what's sellable. And as she began to talk about what she wanted to sell, her face lit up, and I was like, please do what you love. Do what you love in your business. So here's what we're going to do today. Um, we got we got two weeks left in 2019. Um, some days, like I think that's a big deal, and other days I'm like, yeah, days just keep going on. Um, shout out to those that are listening on the podcast, and shout out to those that are watching live on Facebook. And then, as always, we want to say hey, hey to our replay viewers. Welcome. So, what I'm going to do this morning, I went through my 2019 journals. And I want to share some of the highlight lessons that I learned and took away from 2019. I'm sure each one of these could have been a podcast episode, but I have written down a theme and a lesson learned in every single month that I want to share with you. Um, yeah, going back and looking at my actual journal, uh, journals is interesting. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, let's go ahead and get started. So in January of 2019, my word for January was becoming. That was also the theme for Camp Star Heart. I still love the concept of becoming. It is now the mentality uh, that I approach creation and goals. And so in January 2019, I went to my colleague and friend, Varian Brandon's expand. She does a retreat every year called expand. There is a recording of the podcast that I did right after that. That is, I was on fire after that. Um, the big thing I took away in January at expand as I was becoming two things. One was this concept of doubt hopping. One of her clients used that to describe her as somebody who doubt hops. And what does it take to actually hop over doubt? In 14 years of coaching, 16 years of self-employment, in 14 years of coaching, the number one thing that holds my clients back, including clients that were CEOs of large oil companies, um, uh, real estate clients, coaching clients, um, author clients, anybody is doubt. So how do we hop over doubt and create? Um, and then the second thing that I really got and committed to um, in January was to do this thing with others, to allow myself to not only create my own communities, to, but to belong in communities that support me. 
And so I absolutely believe that even if you are a solopreneur or work for yourself, that committing to community and doing it alongside other people is absolutely crucial for my success, my sanity. Um, and I've always been this like independent motherfucker. And so I'm really learning how to let people help me. I'm really learning how to um, belong and not just be the leader, um, how to connect with other people. So that was January. And I'm going to expand again this next January. February. February, the lesson, um, the highlight of February was turning 47, what I called 47 slash 50. This year, I will, next year, I'll be 48 slash 50. And why I make that slash is because the woman I'm becoming, and I make up in my mind that the 50-year-old woman is just really grounded in her self-trust and confidence. And my coach last year at one point had asked, well, why don't, why don't you just say you're 50 now? And I was like, oh, I'm 47, 50, right? And so part of that is my becoming. Um, looking in my journal, two things popped out for me. One was that a lot of my writing was about soulful and simplicity, and so most of my working life, I have an Enneagram personality number seven, which avoids pain and boredom. But the last four to five years, I've really explored my pain and I've been willing to do boring things in service of the things that really light me up. And um, in allowing my soul, like considering what would really fill my soul mind, body, spirit, fill my soul, um, I felt a call towards simplicity. And um, looking back at the end of 2019, I really feel like my soul is full. And a lot of that is because of how simple I let things be. Not just let them be, but decided. So as much clutter as I can eliminate from my home, from my business, from my processes, the more simple the more successful in mind, body, spirit business that I feel. I also had surgery in February. I had, so this was a random little thing. Actually, it's not random. I had this. Um, hi, Steve. Good to see you. I had what's called a forehead osteoma on my head. I had this bump and I had it for six years. It was, um, it's a bony bump on the skull. And for six years, I wanted that thing removed. I have a very large forehead. I generally wear my hair back. I don't wear bangs. And so right there on the front of my head was this physical thing that nobody else noticed, but I did. And I let my nervousness about surgery and doctors and, and being taken care of, push that back and push that back. And I finally went and got, um, I, I finally found a surgeon that I wanted to work with. I went and met her. I fell in love with her and super quick, simple, easy, easy surgery to have that osteoma removed. And that may sound like a silly thing. If you've ever watched Dr. Pimple Popper, you see these people come in that have these gross and they have these gross that are just, they grow and they grow and they grow and they avoid it. And so who knew that having a, a bony bump on my forehead would, would 
well, I know because everything I do gives me internal growth. But the lessons that I took away from that is even if you're nervous, don't wait. There was no reason to wait. It it was completely affordable. She actually did a brow lift for free. <laughs> um, it was it was there was nothing to be afraid of, and I let my fear, not even par- paralyzing fear, but I let a subtle fear hold me back from something I'm so glad I did. And um, so I had that surgery. It also took a whole lot longer to recover than I ever thought from that surgery. I still, when I touch right, when I touch the surgery side, I can still feel my nerves. So um, all good. Glad I did that. So March, I really began, my highlight from March in my journal that as I watch and see is I really begin. So obviously, I have done spiritual coaching, life coaching, and business coaching. I started out as a business coach. I really felt a pull to do deep inner spiritual work, um, the essence of my being. I have just be tattooed on my body. Um, I have always coached from the, what I call the B zone. And in March, another element element came into my coaching that I've heard about for years, I've been coached on, but it really sank in, was that the nervous system and understanding how our mind, body, and spirit works with the nervous system, how our thinking works with the nervous system, how um, how the nervous system works for me and for my clients. Um, understanding the biology of the nervous system and combining that with spiritual business and life coaching has been game changing because it really takes, um, it helps us understand what's normal. And a lot of times we're self judging ourselves and we don't really get that we're, we don't really, if we know the nervous system, then we can know how to support it and work with it. So that was March. I still use the nervous system as a big part of my coaching. I'm not an expert in the nervous system, but I know just enough to be actually really helpful to my clients to combine it with mindset work, to combine it with spiritual work. In April, I began honing in on this concept of being a soulful mogul. And I haven't talked about it a lot recently. I've talked about it in the spring. I've let it simmer for a while. And so part of this comes from this desire I have to create a certain level of success (laughs) Um, that I have yet to attain. I have attained wonderful levels of success. And there is this knowing about what mogul means to me. And I know what mogul means in the world. Um. And so I began thinking, well, if I were a mogul, if I were, if I were a mogul, like what is my professional identity? If I were a mogul, what does that mean to me? What are the elements of it? What's the essence of it? What are the, the physical embodiments? What are the aspects of it? And I was seeing a lot of moguls. Um, so for example, somebody I consider a mogul is, um, of course, I cannot remember her name. Oh, perimenopause brain. Um, Rachel Hollis. So Rachel Hollis like does coaching. She does speaking. She has a clothing line. She, you know, she has all these different things. And I love the idea of kind of having a variety of these things someday. But I also don't want to be on a plane every five minutes. (laughs) Those don't 
align for me. And so I began contemplating what my version of soulful mogul is so that I can create my I amness in my life and my business. And I, I through watching other people that I noticed that I call it lovingly jealous. When I have a bit of envy or jealousy, it's not a bitter. It's like, oh, that's waking up desire in me. And so in April, I begin honing in on soulful mogul business version of my future self. So I also, a few years ago, learned a concept about, so future self is something that we do in, you know, you kind of learn it in coaching one-on-one and vision boards and those kind of things. But that was always putting the future self out there. So one of the things that I like to do and I teach my clients to do is when you have an idea of that future self, so this soulful mogul, I want to bring her brain and her being to right now, right? So instead of, yes, I am becoming her, but the how-to people is like, well, how do you become? Well, the brain that she has is not like the brain that I have right now. She's not solving the problems I'm solving today. She's solving different problems. And so I reach forward to that future self and I bring her thinking back to the present moment. And so I've been um, playing a little bit with this concept of soul, soulful mogul. And next week, we'll be talking about what that means more to me. Um, and so what's interesting is one of the things that I knew about my future self is that she had more help. Because like I said earlier, I've been very independent. She had more help. So this leads me to May. May was Camp Starheart, my annual open to the public live event. It's like a summer camp for small business owners um, where we do deep coaching, we do embodiment work, and we do a whole lot of fun and playing too. And um, I do a lot of live coaching in the room. And then my clients are always reflecting something amazing back to me. And my clients in the process of talking about becoming, which was the theme for Camp Star Heart, my cl clients helped me realize, you know, here I am delivering to them and they're teaching me that I am becoming a woman who allows high level help. So in the past, I had certainly allowed for VA help. I had, um, you know, I have housekeeping help. I have help for things that I don't want to do. But until this year, I had never allowed someone to take over the reins of some of the things that I do. And so at Camp Starheart, um, one of my clients said to me, Frank Sinatra doesn't move pianos, Allison. And um, I realized that I am becoming the woman who doesn't move pianos. I play the piano and that if I wanted something new, I was going to have to become a new kind of woman. And so in that room, I made the commitment to become a woman who allows high-level help, which meant I'm not moving my pianos anymore. I'm, I've been in business for a long time. I don't need to bootstrap anymore. And so that was super fun. Um, and I immediately came home and hired help. I had already been looking, but I hired help. I hired high-level help. Um, not just admin help, but I hired people to do a lot of the things that I could do myself. And it was scary. It was expensive, <laughs> very expensive. Um, and it, it literally has doubled the expenses of my business. But um, 
I made that shift. So what happens after you take a giant expansion step? Does anybody know? (laughs) I have a belief that um, in the energetic cycles of things, the most natural um, way of the universe is when we expand, there's contraction can show up too. And so in June, June, July, and August, after this giant step, this big leap I took, um, a lot of things shook off, right? And so many of you will see this when you choose to become the fullness of who you are. So, so here's what's interesting about becoming. Becoming is not becoming someone you're not. It's about becoming the fullness of who you already are. It just hasn't been expressed yet. And so as I took this major step into becoming, and I not just the inner world step, but that I put my money where my mouth was, I, I took another risk and bet on myself. Um, I had a lot of clients leave. <laughs> and... Right after I had like some of my favorite clients, I would I thought they would be long timers in our coaching membership and they all left. And right after my event, and it just it shook me a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna take things personally. And then I I went to go support a friend and colleague. I was a new friend that I was meeting here in Texas and really excited about building a friendship with her. And I went to support her at an event and it was a women's networking event. And I sat in the back and two of my clients, I didn't know were going to be in there, were in there. And I was so proud of her and excited for her. And I had one of my clients say, I want you to talk to so-and-so about your program. And I said, okay. So I talked to that woman about my program and I went home and Within 48 hours, there was a post on Facebook by this woman about how someone had come to her event and unethically solicited business. And I thought it was a weird post. And long story short, that post was totally about me. (laughs) And so apparently something I did at this networking event was not pleasing to this woman. And she blasted it out on public. She did not use my name, but she used so many identifiers about my business that um, one of my, uh, we have a mutual colleague that I talk to every other Friday morning. And I didn't talk to anybody but my husband about this. And I had one person who reached out to me and said, did you see that post about you? And I was like, listen, I don't think that's about me. I'm not going to get into drama about it. It was just really weird. And, but, but I could tell like something in me was like, maybe she thinks it is me. Why would, what is unethical solicitation? Like that is so not my MO and I'm not a shark and all this stuff happened anyways. So I go two weeks and I said, Hey, by the way, talking to my coach friend, I said, I'm, I haven't really talked about this, but it's, it's kind of bugging me. I think so-and-so put this post up, but I think it's about me. And she goes, it is about you. And so then I found out that it was so about me that my colleague called her and was like, what, what happened? That's not Allison. I don't think you know her. Have you talked to Allison? This woman never did talk to me. Anyways, I don't know if people thought about me or not, but it was an experience of being publicly trashed to many mutual friends, and it really triggered me deeply. It hit a whole new layer 
of take nothing personally. And so <laughs> I have this great January through uh, May and then June, I have written down here, huge, hard inner work, lots of clients left, attract, uh, attacked and accused of doing something that I don't think I did uh, and not given a chance to discuss about it. Um, and I saw written in my journal, the words, take nothing personally, drama and energy gaps. And so for me this summer, I remember spending quite a bit of time pulling crabgrass in my yard as my therapy to ground my body. And I did my mental work about taking nothing. I didn't want to spin in my thoughts around drama, um, but I did a lot of work over the summer and I would pull grass and I would soothe my soul and I would uh, really, I would pray, I would, you know, but these two things really tripped me up and I was taking them personally. And so in July, I did the steady daily inner and outer work and focus on what was working, what was working with my team. Um, so I began doing that work in the yard and then I began creating regularly with my team. So instead of creating for my business spontaneously, and through inspiration only, I began to train my inspiration to come when I wanted it to, which was huge for me, right? Because a limitation I had put on myself was I only do this when I'm inspired. Well, I have plenty of space and time. And when I eliminate taking things personally, when I eliminate drama, when I eliminate energy gaps, there is plenty of time to create when I have scheduled to create or within 24 hours of it. And so this summer did, you know, while I'm doing this deep inner work, and healing another layer of something that needs to be healed, I was also chopping wood and carrying water in my business with the help of my marketing team. And um, by August, I had pulled enough weeds and done enough inner work that I had a new layer of being unoffendable. Um, coming out of the long, hot, so slum slow summer, I began to notice that my inner being and confidence, while it had been shaken in June, felt more wide and grounded and peaceful and willing to let other people be freaky deaky nutso. Because sometimes I'm freaky deaky nutso. But I have written down here, August was a new layer of being unoffendable. And I realized, thanks to my friend Varian, the concept of being unoffendable, being offended is a personal, like it's something we, it's a self-inflicted wound, she says. Um, so September, what I noticed after all that, because I've been focusing so much on this inner work and doubt, shame, blame, guilt, feeling like I did something wrong, hurting, you know, it was like hurting other people, all this inner work. September was like, hello, have you tapped into your desires? And so I noticed um, in my journal, I, I could get easily distracted from my desires. Um, let me see what I wrote down here. September desire, easily distracted. Um, I gave myself a fresh start after that long, slow summer of deep inner work, right? The contraction after the big expansion. And what I do love about the contraction, I've been in business, I've been alive long enough to know that um, ebb and flow, there's always ebb and flow. And so 
helping me get through the ebb was being kind through the ebb, supportive through the self-supporting through the ebb, reaching out to people I know. Beating yourself up when you are in the ebb or contraction is useless. It does not serve, right? I think I really can, I'm learning, have learned over the past three or four years to really honor the shadow and still show up instead of beat myself. So um, September was a fresh start. I tapped into my desires. I retapped into my vision, mostly the essence of my vision. Um, I have found that for me, when I focus on the essence of my vision versus specifics, that specifics contract me, but the essence really supports me. And I made a commitment to work with a new coach. Um, actually, she was the the leader of my leadership group, and I decided to join her high end mastermind. And um, in order to be able to pay for that, I had to open up my roster. <laughs> so I had not been doing one on one work for a while, and I immediately went and rolled two one on one clients to be able to pay for that program. I didn't want to want to create debt. I wanted to do it from income. So um, I rebooted. <laughs> I went to the edge of a cliff and I jumped off and I created two clients to pay for it on the way down. And in October, so in October, I made that decision to join that mastermind for all of 2020. Um, in October, I, we had the Soli retreat. So my clients have, my member clients have the privilege of coming on retreat with me um, at no cost. Um, no, no retreat cost. Everybody um, shares um, accommodations and food and stuff like that. But that's one of the um, perks of being in soulful success. And so we had our October retreat. Now this was fun. So remember in May, I was becoming the woman who allowed high level help. And I have this amazing content in this program that I originally created in 2014. I ran it in 2014, 15, and 16. And then I put it on the shelf and it is a class that I teach called Share Your Heart, Show Your Work. And over the last year, it has been percolating and updating both with um, the current state of social media and my own personal and inner growth. And I had been knowing that I would eventually teach that class again. Well, I'm about to go on retreat and I messaged my high level help and said, I just made this video. I've written the sales page. Could you please write the email campaign for this program and send it out while I'm gone, which was huge for me. They wrote the program. I did the video. They rewrote my, you know, the words from my video. So my high level help was implementing my ideas instead of me having to implement my ideas. Um, and while I was on retreat, I made quite a bit, a lot of money, <laughs> right? Having that high level help. So October was a really fun month. It was a month I wrote $47,000 in business between my membership, between my um, class, and then also uh, writing two new one on clients. And I, I wrote down here, I decided to shake my booty, right? I had this long, hot, slow uh, summer, the inner work, and I just decided, I just decided I was complete. <laughs> I'm unoffendable. I have grown from the stresses of June and July, and I'm going to get back to it. So I shook my booty and got to it in October. Having help helped. 
And one of the big things that I am teaching my clients, my member clients and my one-on-one clients is... And one of the reasons I... This is one of the reasons I created my membership because I was spending one to two to $3,000 a month in coaching and I didn't have any money left over. And so um, I decided to offer very high value coaching for only $220 a month so that my clients can hire high level implementation. Implementation is if I could go back and do one thing, I would have help implementing my ideas faster. Because when you're the idea generator, you're the idea implementer and you're the client server that is exhausting. And so I reallocated my coaching budget and spent some time working in high value programs that offered a lower fee, which is the opposite of what a lot of people in my industry do. Um, so I'm on the third year. That's the other thing in October, we celebrated the th- beginning of the third year of Soulful Success Coaching Membership. Um, I totally want you to join and the doors are going to be open December 22nd and they are going to be open for a very short while. Um, And so you can come and work with me and to get amazing life, business, spiritual coaching on demand essentially and have money left over to implement things. One of my clients was so cute a couple weeks ago. She was like, I was thinking about joining this 37 or $27,000 program. And she goes, I realize I have everything in here with you. And I said, yeah. And if you got $27,000 to spend, let's get you some help implementing. And she was like, oh, oh, you mean I don't have to sit six hours behind my newsletter? I said, no, honey, you don't, right? It is a lot. The idea maker, the implementation person, and the client service, it's a lot. And so for years, I've been doing all of those and it was overwhelming and exhausting. And becoming a person who allowed high-level help changed everything. And so that's one of the things I really want to encourage my own clients to do is let's get you this high-level coaching strategy, inner work, outer work at $220 a month. And then let's leave some over for your budget for you to implement so that you can implement not just getting high-level help, but when I mean high-level help is the work that my my high-level help does creates profit, right? We like profit. Okay, so November, I went to a sales event. Um, I love sales. I think one of the things I saw in my journal was like taking back sales from slimy people. I notice a lot of heart-centered gardener people out there that are overwhelmed by sales or they have really um, distorted mindsets about it because we all have wounds about sales. Um, But that sales really can be service. And I tell the story of my friend Hank Avink. Um, Hank Avink was a co- coach at my former company. And he called when he left and said, you left the company and you made it work. And so I'd like to, I'm leaving and I'd like to make it work and I need a coach. And he would have signed a $20,000 contract and paid him full at that moment. But I knew that Hank didn't need me as a coach. And so I told him, I said, Hank, you don't need a coach. You need a lawyer. And I said, you know, that's a very large company. You have a, you need to talk and consult with a lawyer to make sure that your family is protected so that, because they will come after you, so that you are clear on how you move forward during the year of your non-compete. And Hank never forgot that. And so here's what's funny. Many of my clients today and in 2019 came from 
me not selling Hank. I could have taken his check, but that wouldn't serve him. And so what's so funny is I know that I have made way more than $20,000 because Hank is so grateful that he... Um, that I served him instead of sold him, that he actually has been one of my top referrers in my business. And so I need my people to know that serving always creates sales, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. And um, so I went to the sales event. <laughs> I'm almost done, y'all. Um, I went to this sales event um, that a friend was doing. I was really excited and proud to support her. I love what she is doing. I love that she is helping people raise their fees and create high-level sales, high-income sales. We're talking $100,000 a month over and over and over again. Well, y'all know my coaching program is only $222 a month. And so I was in the high fee world. And three years ago, three and a half years ago, I had the spark of an idea um, that Source and I co-created together this new way of working, um, something sustainable both for the client and for me and something that thrilled me. And so I went to this woman's event and I noticed like I just... Like what she's doing was not wrong and it wasn't me. So what I loved about the contrast and where when I was at that event, the things that I would, would feel rubbed up against by were my body telling me to pay attention to my own work. And so I was super excited to support her, but it made me think a lot because I'll be honest, one of the things that I thought about offering this last year was going back and offering a high-level mastermind. I have many clients that even though I only charge $222, say, I want to be in one of your $9,000, $10,000, $12,000 groups. And I said, well, I don't have those anymore. And so it was very tempting to make an offering um, of one of these smaller mastermind groups and do that. And I, you know, I'd mapped it out, done all this other stuff. But when I went to this woman's event, she's amazing in sales, love her, love her energy and her mojo. But it became really clear spiritually, emotionally to me that doing what works for everybody isn't necessarily what I want to do. And so my big takeaway at the beginning of November was I re, I didn't ever fall out of love with soulful success, but I think I took something I love for granted. And I decided that I was doubling down on soulful success. And what doubling down on soulful success, my coaching membership meant was not about the action I put, but about opening my heart to this thing that I love to this way of working that I love and reminding myself that I think I have one of the greatest programs out there today. It's not a class, it's actually coaching. And I don't know anybody that can't use some life, some business, um, the range of topics and the skill level and the community the people doing this together, right? So we meet at the water cooler and we coach and we collaborate and we talk and then we go out into the world. And um, so November was huge for me because going to that event and being tempted to get back up into the super high fees, I think it's great. I love that people are doing it. I still teach my clients how to do it. But it reminded me, this program is what I 
love. And just like I told my client this morning, I said, you sell what you love. And so I doubled down on soulful success. Um, and then December, here we are in December. So the highlight of my December is that my brother and his wife are expecting. And um, that's all I can say about that because <laughs> it's not my story to tell. But the highlight of my December is an awareness I've had around family. So in November, we had Thanksgiving with my family. I have two brothers and two sisters. I have parents that are still alive and well. My Aunt Joanne just passed away last week. We have a service for her in January. And Aunt Joanne is somebody that taught me that education and business. I remember when I wanted to be a therapist and she was like, please don't do altruistic work. It doesn't make any money. And Aunt Joanne had a lot of influence on my life. And so I knew that there was a deeper meaning to knowing that um, Aunt Joanne was passing and that my brother would be having the youngest, newest crow. So Aunt Joanne was a crow. There are grandkids, but all the girls had grandkids. So there's no actual crow baby. And my brother and his wife are having the crow baby. And so it's interesting that these two souls, one was leaving her life and one was coming in. I made meaning of that. I found comfort in that. I connected with the energy of my crow family over this. And interestingly, um, my heart, has just been so in love with my family, with my brothers and my sisters and my mom and my dad. And over the last few years, um, I have, you know, in 2014, I went and did the work with Chris Seidel and I thought I was doing painting process work. I did not realize I was uncovering all of my shadow and my shit. And I gave myself permission to see all the things I had depressed down. So I was very Pollyanna, very um, Enneagram 7 that doesn't want to do any discomfort. So 2014, 15, 16, and 17, I allowed myself to feel the extreme discomfort of family stuff, of political stuff, of disappointment in my parents. And I got to tell you what, allowing myself to feel the disappointment, feel the sadness, feel the grief, feel the frustration, instead of ignoring it, has opened up a love for my family. And I remember being really afraid. I remember having this episode with my dad. I was really mad at him. And I was uncovering just some memories and and was frustrated around money and crow family money stuff. And my dad didn't call me on a birthday or something. And I just let him have it for it. And I remember telling my mom, if dad dies while I'm mad at him, I'm going to have to be okay with that. At the time, I had spent 45 years thinking he was perfect. And I had I, at that time, I remember, I know exactly where I was when I said it. And I had to let myself be really disappointed in my parents 
And it was a lifetime of disappointment that came up and then was exacerbated by politics because all five of us kids are left and my parents are right. And that caused a lot of conflict. A couple of years ago, I treated my mother with so much disrespect. I screamed and yelled at her, got in a giant fight with her. Um, we did not attend Thanksgiving. And, but by allowing myself to go through the discomfort of feeling all the wounds of my family, both past and current, what I did was allow my heart to heal. And so as uncomfortable as it was, and um, what I'm noticing the last two years, and especially this year with the new baby coming, is that my love and respect for my family is even deeper because I was willing to look at and feel the disappointment. Now the good times feel even better because I allowed myself to be angry at my parents. I allowed myself, and I don't have to hold that anger against them, but it was stored up and ignored for so long. It was depressed down, right? And so... um as I sit, I'll share. I know the podcast people can't see this, but this is my family last Thanksgiving. So it's my immediate family, all the brothers and sisters, the sisters with their husbands and kids, my brother with his um, almost wife, and then my cousin Clay Crow and his wife and son are all in this picture. And then me and Bill, our bonus kid, my bonus kids are not in this picture. Um, but I have it sitting here and I just, in 48 years, I've had so many feelings about my family and the feelings that I have today towards my family are so pure. Um, it's a pure kind of love because it's both the beautiful and the ugly. It's both the light and the dark. And so as I close out this year, you know, one of the things I often find fault in myself for is that I don't have a lot of family goals, that I have, everything is so much around business. My business is my baby. And so a lot of times I'll really, uh, not a lot, but every once in a while I can subtly shame myself into, you know, you have no life, it's just your business. Well, spirits let me know that I, I was, this is part of my, my purpose is a lot of things, but that the baby I was supposed to have was rescue dogs and this business. And that I get to be another kind of mother and healer and helper through my business. I get to heal myself and heal my family stuff. I get to heal my marriage and that there are so many ways to be a mother. Um, but what I didn't expect and never planned for in 2019 was to fall in love with the Crow family all over again, deeply, wildly, and genuinely. And um, that is my December highlight. And after I close this podcast, I'm going to go grab lunch and I'm going to the hospital. And next week, I'll have more news to tell you <laughs> because it will be public. But after I close this podcast, I'm going to the hospital to meet somebody. And my heart couldn't be happier. So that is 12 months of the highlights of 2019. Know that some of the highlights were hard. 
And if I hadn't gone through the shadow seasons and the loss, I wouldn't feel the exquisite joy in both life and business that I do now. So thank you for those of you who are listening. Thank you to those of you who are alive. I've seen your comments, but because I recorded a podcast, I'll come back later and interact with you. I see some of my clients here watching and listening, and I am so grateful for our partnership. And um, I look forward to being in that partnership in 2020. Um, If you can hear my voice cracking... In 2010, I, I filed for the LLC of my business and I called it Soul-Full Living LLC. And here I am today. I live in a neighborhood that I don't really love, in a house that I do love. And I have a business and human beings and relationships Some like Denny right there that I knew 10 years ago from the real estate world. Some like Jody, some like Nella, some like Farah that I have met within just the past few years. My soul is full and it is my heart's desire to help you and support you and teach you and coach you and hold you as you begin to shift whatever your life is, to creating that sense of fullness and freedom and peace every day. And then it is embodied in your life and work. And so with that, one last plug for Soulful Success. You can go to coachwithallison.com and get on the wait list. You can actually go ahead and hit the application button if you scroll past the wait list. We are opening the doors in on December 22nd. So thanks for spending time with me today. This will be live on the podcast. Thanks for listening. I would love to hear some of your highs and your lows that helped you grow in 2019. I think your story is neato. Thank you for listening to mine. And I would love to hear a slice of your neato story and what some of your highlights and best of 2019 were. Love you guys. Bye-bye. As always, thanks for listening. Totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag better life, better work show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better.